This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Mystery thriller readers, this one's for you. We are giving away the 10 best mysteries and thrillers of the year so far to one lucky Book Riot reader or podcast listener. The prize pack includes Miracle Creek by Angie Kim, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson, and many more. Just go to bookriot.com slash best mysteries to enter to win. And don't forget to leave your lights on. That's bookriot.com slash best mysteries. listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 227, and today we are talking about books being released on September 24th, 2019, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Sharifa Williams, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello! Hi! This is Happy exciting. Sunday. I know, this is exciting. I am, I think I have done this show once before. I can't, I? I can't remember. <laughs> We're not I, obligated to remember these things because this show happens every <laughs> week. I don't think so. I did an episode of SS. That's what I'm thinking. SFF, yeah, but yeah, you've been on before. Oh, this is exciting! I'm a new, I'm a newcomer. My induction because I keep mentioning this. And it's finally here. Like, I'm super excited that this is episode 227 because I loved that sitcom as a child. And oh, my goodness. <laughs> mentioning it, people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I learned the other day, this I did not remember, is that 227 with Marla Gibbs and Jack Hay and the Golden Girls both premiered on the exact same day in 1985. Like, back to back. Oh, my goodness. I- first day for both of them. I think I remember 227 now. I never used to watch the show, but I remember all the references to it because I was like, I don't know, I guess I was like three. But I was definitely watching <laughs> The Golden Girls, so I, I don't know why I missed out on 227. But if it's streaming, now I'm going to have to go watch it. Because... I wonder if that is. It, it, like, it was on, I think, I think three or four years. Um, not as long as The Golden Girls, but... Um, I remember enjoying it, and for some reason I always thought that Punky Brewsters started at the same time, but that was actually older. I was thinking of that because they're doing a reboot, like, with her as an adult, I guess. Oh, no. Which is no. interesting. <laughs> I love so. Punky Brewster. They can't ruin it for me. Yeah. The I the way I keep things from being ruined for me is just not watching them. <laughs> That's true. That's always a smart plan. You don't have to complain about it if you don't watch it. Yeah. It's true. never going to bother you that way. So, maybe we should talk about books now. Maybe. Maybe. I'm living in my 80s nostalgia. <laughs> um, um, so, you- I guess I can kick us off talking yeah. about our first sponsor, that which is a fantastic sounding book that I was almost going to choose. It's Slay by Brittany Morris, and today's episode is sponsored in part by Simon & Schuster Publishing. 
So to give you some idea of this book, it's Ready Player One meets Black Panther in this electrifying book, Entertainment Weekly, called The YAW We're Most Excited For This Year. Driven to save the only world in which she can be herself, 17-year-old Kira Johnson must preserve her secret identity as the developer of the online multiplayer game Slay and harness what it means to be unapologetically black in a world intimidated by blackness. But can Kira protect the game without losing herself in the process? So this is Brittany Morris's debut novel. She's been very involved in the YA community. So maybe if you know, if you've read a lot of YA books or you're within that community, you might have heard about her before. She's participated in events like Pitch Wars and DV Pit. And the book explores issues of social justice and community in the vein of The Hate You Give. So if you really, I can't imagine anybody who didn't enjoy The Hate You Give. So everybody, uh, if you like The Hate You Give, you should also check this book out. It also features gaming and cool technology. I recently read Warcross. I was kind of late to the Warcross game, but I loved that book so much. And this is a similar read to Warcross. So I'm really excited about this book, obviously because I wanted to talk about it today. And you should definitely check out Slay by Brittany Morris. Again, that comes from Simon & Schuster Children's Publishing. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. Yeah, I'm very sorry that that you had marked this down and I had to be like, I'm sorry, but they're a sponsor. That's okay. I cried a little and then I got over it. (laughs) Yeah, you can still read it. That's what's cool. Yeah, that's the best part of being a reader and being an adult and having my own choices. I love being an adult. Adult, quotation marks. Yes, I think both of us can do that, quotation marks. (laughs) I just put stickers all over the front of my desk. I mean, I had stickers all over the top of my desk, but I just did it all over the front, too, the other day. And I was like, I am 43 years old. And you have your sticker game on point. That is the thesis. (laughs) Yep. I have this, like, deep fear with my stickers because I love them so much that I'm going to waste them on the wrong thing. And I'm going to put them on something and then be sad that I, I wasted them on that thing. And so I just had to learn to let it go. Yeah. Like stick them to whatever, and whatever happens, it's fine. <laughs> that is a relatable fear. I think that's universal, yeah. weirdly enough. I've heard this from many people. Like, I yeah. posted something about it on Instagram, and they were like, I am also afraid to put my stickers on things. So it's like, you just keep them in a box and look at them. It's like, what good is that? So I'm learning. I know. I know. Yeah. You've got to let go. Let go of that sticker fear. It's true. <laughs> and yet, th- yet they stick to things. It's ironic. <laughs> is that ironic? I don't know. I am going to talk about my first book now because I'm super excited about it. I read it in the spring, in the winter, I can't remember, and I was so excited. It is The Monster of Ellendhaven by Jennifer Giesbrecht. It is a 160-page gothic grotesquerie that is so delightful and disturbing. It is a great book for Halloween. It is a great appetizer if you're looking to read Gideon the Ninth or maybe a little dessert after you've read Gideon the Ninth. Um, not similar in writing style or the story even, but they're both pretty dark and twisted. So it's a great comp, I think. Um, it's about the town of Ellendhaven, which is this sort of dark, gross, poisoned town hundreds of years in the future after magic has cracked the North Pole. Um, the water is bad. There's gross things come out of it. Uh, the land is poisoned. And... There is a character 
this big, tall, slender, scary monster named Johan. And they like to murder. That's basically what they like to do. Um, and they go around the town and make their, they get their food and their money and everything from killing other people and taking things from them. And one day, Johan decides to, to um, murder this frail guy walking down the street. And it turns out that instead, it's a, it, he's a ma- magician, and he asks Johan to be his bodyguard, because it's a scary town, you know, case in point, he was just about to be mugged. Um, and so Johan goes to work for him, and um, it turns out that the magician actually has uh, some deep ties to this town. His whole family lived there, and something happened, and now he's the only one left. This is a very small book, so I don't want to give too much away, but... The magician and Johan strike up a partnership and then also a very, very um, dysfunctional relationship, uh, romance of like the most effed up kind. And the, uh, the magician wants revenge on this town and Johan is going to help him get it. It is, like I said, so disturbing and fun. I wish it was 1,600 pages instead of 160 pages. It's just funny and gross and charming and weird. Um, it's a very slim book. Uh, you know, you can slide it right between your brain's ribs. It's great. <laughs> um, I just, I can't say anything else about it because I don't want to spoil anything. I've been looking at reviews online lately and I've noticed that a lot of people have mentioned certain things about it that I thought were definitely spoilers in the book, so I don't want to do that. So it is The Monster of Ellen Haven and it's by Jennifer Giesbrecht. I just got that book in the mail, and I'm planning to read it in one sitting on the fall equinox while I'm baking my my celebratory loaf of bread because murder and baking sound like they go really <laughs> well together and will set the mood for my whole autumn. So oh, yeah. I'm really excited about that one. That's a perfect idea. It's it's so, like I said, it's only 160 pages. You'll ingest it in no time. Oh, I'm so, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad you didn't spoil anything. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about my first book. And first of all, I'm not somebody who really sets out looking for books set during World War II. I feel like there are a lot of people who kind of avoid books about World War II. But my next book is, in fact, set during World War II. It's The World That We Knew by Alice Hoffman. And I don't think Alice Hoffman needs much introduction. She's, like, super prolific. I think all of the witchy-poo people like me love her for giving us Practical Magic. And I've read Practical Magic and its prequel, The Rules of Magic, which recently came out. And I know I know she has tons of other books, but I had not read them. So when The World That We Knew showed up, I put away my resistance to reading World War II books because there are so many and, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Um, glamorization of things. That should not be glamorized, for instance, but I trust Hoffman, so I went into it. And The World That We Knew is this fabulous work of historical fiction. It's centered around three young women, beginning with 12-year-old Leah, and like many members of Jewish families in Germany during the war, Leah's mother is really struggling to keep her family fed and out of the hands of the Nazis. But she knows it's only a matter of time before they run out of food or end up in a concentration camp. And her biggest concern is her daughter, as you might imagine. And so in her desperation to keep Leia safe, she makes this pact with another young girl and brings into being this golem whose mission it is to ensure Leia's safety. 
And so this act sets Leah and Eddie, who is uh, the rabbi, a rabbi's daughter, and Ava, who is the golem, on this linked path. And they set out against this war-torn landscape with everything up against them. Each of these characters has a personal struggle. Leah is, you know, confused and hurt by what seems like an abandonment. And she's internalizing this traumatic event that happens at the opening of the book. And Ava's seeing the world through newborn eyes. She has just come into this world. There are certain expectations you have of a golem that she does not necessarily fit. And she's sort of testing out her perceptions and her observations and her feelings. And then there's Eddie, who's really vengeful and grief-stricken by something that happens in her life. And of course, as you might imagine, if you've read Alice Hoffman, you probably already know that the prose is really gorgeous. The story is heartbreaking. It's full of love. It's charged with this determination to live. And I think if you're looking for stories of resistance, this is a really, really good one. And you also get these little breaks where we see other experiences and take interludes that give the story complexity and show the many different types of trials people experience and they add so much depth and speak to Alice Hoffman's magical way with storytelling. And it's not an easy story to tell because it is about this period of time. It does confront the Holocaust and it does beg thoughtful treatment. But I think this book really succeeded in telling a story that's magical and has beauty, but also doesn't shy away from the horrors Jews faced and to show what lengths they had to go to survive and, you know, giving Leia a golem might seem far from reality, but a mother using her last resources and making terrible sacrifices to bring into being safety for her daughter is not. That's a real thing. So this is a beautiful story about humanity, lost and found. And again, that was the world that we knew by the one and only Alice Hoffman. So this is somewhat related to that Um but I don't know. I, I'm going to say it out loud, even though people are like, that's weird. Um, Alice Hoffman has the softest hands I've ever shook. <laughs> that is not something I expected to hear come out of your mouth. <laughs> like, we had her at the bookstore one time. We hosted her. I think we hosted her a couple times. And I shook her hands, and I was like, that was, like, magic. That was like shaking hands with a cloud. It was amazing. The angels sang when you shook her yeah. hand. <laughs> so, like... My friends like that's totally creepy. I was like, I don't, like, I don't think it's creepy. Like it's just an <laughs> observation. I'm not camped outside her house with a sign that says "Shake my hand again." You know, I'm just like saying, like, she, you know, it was amazing. <laughs> They're gonna put that blurb on one of her books. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, she's also like hands. wonderful and awesome and amazing. But like, it was just something that stood out in my mind. I was like, holy cats. So um, now moving on to another book that is magical and beautiful, but does not shy away from difficult things. My next pick is The Water Dancer by Tanahisi Coates. It is amazing. Um, so much anticipation, so much buildup for this book, um, when it was announced, and it's his first novel, and everyone was super, super excited, and it's incredible. Um, it is historical fiction with a touch of the supernatural, um, about a slave named Hiram. It's set in Virginia at a plantation called Lockwell, and he is, let's see, well, when he was young... Um, his mother was taken from him. She was sold. He was like nine years old and his mother was sold and it caused, so this is another book that I can't say much about without spoiling it. 
It caused something to happen. Like, he gained this sort of special power um, that I don't want to tell you what it is. Um, but it's sort of like this thing, as I, like, he felt like he went through this blue door, and things happened. He also has a photographic memory, if I'm labeling it correctly. Um, he remembers every little thing about everyone, except he can't remember his mother now. Um, and so he, like, he's a slave on a plantation. His father is the plantation owner. Um, and he has a half-brother named Maynard, and he is sort of put into service for... Maynard. So now, like, he's helping his brother out. He drives him around. Um, and years later, uh, there is a carriage accident uh, where he's driving his brother around, and he almost drowns, and again, this power that he has saves him. Um, and it sort of changes everything, and now he wants... All he wants is to escape. He wants to get away from this life. Um, it... The book... I think... I can't say, like, you need to read it slowly. I think you just do read it slowly. I went into it. I was like, I gotta read this book you know, I, you know, I read very fast and it's not a condemnation of it, but I'm saying like at the beginning, the very first section is the carriage accident. And I thought for a second that the pages were in wrong because it's, the writing is so beautiful and, um, not very straightforward that I was like, am I reading something that happened later that, but it's, I went back and I read it slowly and it's just incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. Um, and he just makes this great, what's it, makes, he writes this great story about the beauty in life, but also, um, the dehumanization of what he calls the, the tasked, that's what he calls the slaves, um, and there's amazing character building, and the story is so unique, like I said, there's a little bit of magical realism going on there, and I'm pretty sure that the magical realism speaks to something larger that I am not smart enough to pick up on. Um, but other people might, and like, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that to like put myself down, but you know, people get different things from books and I, it went over my head. Um, but <laughs> it, it's just, it's incredible. I was actually, we were talking about the National Book Award long list last week and everyone that I spoke to, we were all sharing lists and the one book that we all had in common on that list was this book, The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates. And... It didn't make the list. We were all so surprised um, because it's just incredible and what an amazing debut. Um, I definitely look forward to going back and reading it again because I think it's one of those books that even may be taught in school someday. It's just incredible. Um, so it is The Water Dancer and it is by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Have you seen Tracy Ellis Ross talking about this book from uh, Rainbow Johnson from Blackish? I, I I saved the post oh, to go you back and watch it, watch it, but I haven't actually seen it. It's but so delightful. I, I she's so excited about it. It made me excited about reading it. I have to read this book for many many reasons. Yeah, like I'm already like I'm already like ha- like feeling strange that I said that you know I'm I, some of it went over my head because I don't want that to be like a condemnation of his writing or the book itself, you know. Um, you know but like. There's there's stuff going on that maybe I didn't pick up on, but that's not be- that's not his fault at all. <laughs> Everybody has different reading experiences too, so yeah, you never know. All right, uh, well, my next pick is completely different. Uh, it's The Dutch House by an author many of you have read or heard of, Anne Patchett. Anne Patchett is a prolific author of books including Commonwealth, Bel Canto, State of Wonder, so many many more. 
And the Judge House is a very specific type of story if you haven't come across her work before. It does have a sort of fairy tale theme about it, which I didn't even think about until I read it in the synopsis. But it is about two kids who find themselves in dire straits when, you know, a quote-unquote evil stepmother comes into the picture. And the story stretches out over a long period of time. It's told by Danny, who is the young son of the Conroy family. I don't know if I missed something at the beginning of the book, but I didn't even realize. Like, I was like, who is this narrator? And I legitimately thought Danny was like a younger sister because I didn't read like the blurb or anything before this. So I found out that, yes, it is Danny, the young son of the Conroy family, And the Conroy family used to be a mother, father, an older daughter, and a son. But when we meet the Conroys, it's just the dad and the kids in this larger-than-life place that sort of represents wealth and not sort of really does represent wealth and success, which is the Dutch house. And the father, Cyril, is running this successful business. He can finally afford to keep his family in this house in the quiet suburbs of Pennsylvania, I think. Yeah, Pennsylvania, along with a couple of household staff. But because of their mother's absence, Maeve, the sister, acts as a mother figure to Danny. And it's their bond at the heart of the story and their recollections of what happened at the Dutch house and what transpired between them and the newest addition to the family that pulls them back to each other and to the house time and time again as they grow into adulthood. So we end up meeting them at various stages and they always seem to be looking back and you get a sense that at some point they're going to come to the crux of things and they'll have to face some unresolved issues if they're going to have anything like closure. And you can't really tell what exactly happened right away. The story like pulls you through to figure out like they allude to things, but you don't exactly know what happened. So I found that really compelling. And then the prose has this sort of quiet spare quality that is just wonderful. It puts you into a certain time and place and mood that is seemingly, you know, by magic. And the book is a look at the prosaic lives of of a privileged white upper middle class family, which is something I definitely thought of while I was reading this book. And it's about this family that falls into decline. But it also made me notice the quiet ways in, you know, in which expectations are placed on women in the household, especially in looking at Maeve and the stepmother. And I loved Maeve as a character. She was definitely my favorite. She was an onion with many layers. But because we're hearing this story from Danny's perspective, and though Danny loves her and recognizes the ways in which she was held back from certain things because of where she stood as a daughter and sister, we only get his view of her. And she's this sharp, incredibly smart, really endearing character. She's bold, but she's not always living by her own rules in this household that's financed by the family patriarch who takes a really, you know, it's one of those quietly misogynistic approaches that's awful in how unexceptional and common that approach was. And the story takes off from the sibling's childhood around the late 40s or early 50s, I think. And I don't know, I'm forever fascinated by sibling relationships. I have a sibling, so it's interesting to me on a personal level. And the bond between Maeve and Danny really drove me through this story. I love what they had together. I worried for it. I wanted them to move on past the Dutch house. And I think the book is really suited for the season too. It's just one of those stories that broods 
And again, that was The Dutch House by Ann Patchett. All right. You were so excited to talk about it, you skipped right over the, the sponsor. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just let her go. Yeah, okay, talk about it. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about our other sponsor today now. It is Bombas. They are back. Um, when was the last time you refreshed your sock drawer? Like, as a person who does not have a lot of socks, um, this is not something I, I think about very often. My boyfriend all the time. He's always looking for new socks because he actually wears socks all the time. Like most people, um, not like me. But if you can't remember when you updated your sock drawer, it's probably time for an upgrade. And Bombas socks are so comfortable and they are made with comfort innovations like arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed, which is all socks speak for super comfortable. So they might be the things that you need for your sock drawer. And they come in hundreds of colors and styles and they make them perfect for men, women, and kids. So they've been sending me socks. Um, and as you know, if you've been listening to the show, I have always been opposed to socks. I do not enjoy things on my feet. Um, but I have actually been wearing their socks. And this has, like, we're finishing up basically like the summer of injuries and allergic reactions where I've had to go to the doctor and the hospital several times over the last several weeks. Um, and they really appreciate it if you have socks on when you have to take off your shoes. Uh, so I'm like, I actually have socks. This is so great. Um, although I don't understand, like, when you're like, oh, my cat cut my face open. They're like, all right, let's weigh you. It's like, why? Why? What does that have to do with the other? But anyway, um, they like it when you have socks on at the hospital. So, um, what a, like, what a depressing... <laughs> depressing <laughs> anecdote, but I promise everything is fine. Um, so, but it, my, my point was, I actually have socks. I wear them. It's exciting. Um, and their socks are so comfortable. Um, I got a pair that are uh, black and yellow, and their little logo is a B, uh, and so it's so cute with that. I got a pair that are camouflage, like black and white and gray camouflage, which is my favorite camouflage. Um, if you have a favorite camouflage. Actually, pink might be my favorite camouflage. I might go for pink next time, but um, yes. they're just, they're so comfortable. And now I'm getting back into walking after a very long, you know, uh, period where I wasn't. So I need socks for that. And I'm just super excited to have them. And now they have a new line of merino wool socks that are made from soft, warm, and natural moisture wicking merino wool, which is designed with all of Bomba's classic comfort features. And they keep you cool and dry on your morning run, or they keep you comfortable in your office's freezing air conditioning. They are ready to work as hard as you do. And for every pair of socks that you buy, Bombas will donate a pair to someone in need. Um, so their their tag is Bombas are what feet daydream about. Um, and, you know, so, like, again, it's very exciting. Socks, donations, everybody's happy. So you can buy your first pair, or more pairs, uh, buy Bombas at bombas.com slash all the books, and you can get 20% off your first purchase. So that's bombas.com slash all the books for 20% off your first purchase if you haven't purchased them before, or you can go check out all the new colors. I feel like they've added so many new styles and colors just in the last year since uh, they first became a sponsor, so it's fun to look at. It's bombas.com slash all the books, and we thank them for sponsoring. All right. So... My next book, another, like, we've got a lot of heavily anticipated books here on the show today. Yeah. This one. Oh, us. Nonfiction. I feel like I haven't read that much nonfiction this year. Um, it just must be, just must be the season or something. Um, but this is Make It Scream, Make It Burn, Essays by Leslie Jameson. Uh, she is the author of The Empathy Exams, 
which was just a huge success for Grey Wolf many, many years ago now, five years ago. And uh, she got a great contract with Little Brown after that. And she wrote The Recovering last, last year, I think, which was really good. But I love her essays. I love this collection. Um, like the empathy exams, it's a wide range of subjects from step-parenting and society's portrayal of step-parents. So, for instance, she could probably have talked about the Dutch house. Um, to you know, and, and her role as a step-parent to um, giving birth. Like, she, she herself had a child since she became a step-parent. Um, she talks at length about Let Us Now Praise Famous Men by James and G. Um, she ta- there's one called The Museum of Broken Relationships, which is exactly what it sounds like. She goes to a Civil War exhibit. Uh, the first one is called, it's about Blue 52, which is a whale um, on the West Coast that made this unusual noise, like this unusual frequency that isn't heard from whales. And she goes out and uh, learns all about this whale that was making this strange noise. I was crying within like a minute of this oh, book. No. Because, for real, because it's divided up into three sections, longing, looking, and dwelling. And the first essay is about this whale. And basically it's just like, here's this whale. He's making this sound that none of the other whales make. So he's all by himself. There's never any other whales around him. And I was just like... (laughs) And they, like, tracked him for years. And they were just like, he's always by himself. And I was like, poor whale. Yeah, I was, like, crying after, like, the first page. Um, And it's... Because it's, like, an incredible story. It's just incredible. Um, and I enjoyed some of these even more than the ones that I read in empathy exams. But I also think it's a case of, like, you're seeing a writer, you know, mature in their craft, you know, as they go along. Although the empathy exams was incredible. But like those essays, you know, she has a ton of compassion towards her subject, no matter what it is that she's writing about. Including, she wrote, like, 30 pages about Second Life, which is the virtual world. Um, it's called Sim Life. They don't, people don't talk about it as no. often as they used to. Um, it was a huge deal, probably because I was playing World of Warcraft at the same time, so I was kind of in that um, you know group of people that always talked about it. But I never did Second Life, but you know, it was a virtual world where people have, like... It's kind of like Slack, but a video game, you know? Like, people have, like, meetings where, um, you know, your characters just all show up at the same place and talk to each other, and, um, you know, you build your life, and, and it's it's pretty impressive, um, and, and she talks about that. I mean, you go from, like, whales and sad, lonely whales to, you know, virtual worlds and, you know, step-parents and broken... It's just... It's so interesting. Like, there is nothing not interesting about what she writes about. Um, and I love that. It, so it is called Make It Scream, Make It Burn, Essays by Leslie Jameson. Mm, I love a good nonfiction on audio, so I might check that out on audio. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that's my way. All right, uh, my next pick is The Shadow King by Maza Mangiste. And this is the first book I have read by Mangiste, but she has a 2010 book, Beneath the Lion's Gaze, which is also set in Ethiopia. Uh, But The Shadow King takes us back in Ethiopia's history during Mussolini's invasion of the country in the 30s. And this is a heavy read and a very bloody one. It's a wartime book. It does not shy away from the brutalities of war or class systems or the treatment of girls and women during this time period in Africa. 
And I do have some trigger warnings for rape and child abuse. And there are, as mentioned, brutally violent images here. I chose a lot of really heavy books. I'm noticing, um, but I don't know about you, but school did not teach me anything about the Italo-Ethiopian Wars, the which were the colonial wars where Italy and Ethiopia went to battle. And The Shadow King takes place around the second Italo-Ethiopian War in the 30s, and it follows Hirut, a child servant in the household of the man her mother grew up with and took care of, basically like her own brother, when they were kids. And Hirut is looking back in time to the wars in light of receiving this letter from an Italian man she had lost contact with. And you don't know exactly what their relationship was, but it kind of alludes to it. And she's basically looking through photos and old memorabilia, remembering her youth in the household um, with Kidane, this family friend, and his wife, Aster. And the story is told by this sort of omniscient narrator with chapters also told by a chorus, like as in Greek drama chorus. And these scenes are particularly foreboding. So Hirut's work as a servant in the home of Kidane and Aster is really grueling. They have a cook as well, and both of them, the two of them, Hirut and this cook, are trapped in this life. They're far from their families, and they're also subject to Aster's bouts of rage and depression. And you're like, what's going on? Like, why is she treating them so terribly? It happens all the time in books, but you want to know why. And Kidane plays an important role in the battle between Ethiopia and Italy, and their house also serves as a sort of war room for Kidane. So there are battles that are being waged inside and outside, and when the war arrives on their doorstep, sending them to the battlefield, everything about their household and the dynamic between these people changes. Astro's history and her past trauma is revealed, as is Harut's, because you don't go into the story knowing much background about her. And the women caught up in this war are at the center of the story, and we see what their country and community and families do to them, how they're commodified and used as chess pieces in political games. And it's hard to read about the violence that's done to them and how they carry those wounds deeply and far into their lives. Uh, There are scenes from the office of then-emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie, And he also has to face the ghost of his mistakes as his country comes under fire. And the book tells the story of the Ethiopian women who went to war alongside men. You should definitely read the author's note at the beginning of the book. This is a really moving and powerful story that shines light on women in a region we don't hear nearly enough about who were legendary warriors swept into the margins of history. It happens all the time, unfortunately, and I'm so glad that the stories being told. So again, that was The Shadow King by Maza Mengiste. Whew. Mm. I don't have a segue. No, <laughs> I don't expect one. <laughs> um, so if you've been listening to the show for the last several months, you know it has been the craziest, craziest, busiest year of my life. Um, And unfortunately, I did not get to this next book that I wanted to talk about um, in time uh, because of cat reasons, but um, I'm super excited to read it, so I wanted to tell you about it anyway because it is what I am going to read next, and it sounds great. Um, Erin Morgenstern has mentioned several times that it's incredible, and it is 
uh, Steel Crow Saga by Paul Kruger, who is the author of Last Night at Last Call at the Nightshade Lounge, which I think I talked about a few years ago, which is like a supernatural um, bartending story where like the monster hunters mix certain potions at this bar uh, to fight monsters, and that was really fun. Um, and this one is a great big giant epic fantasy. It says, Four destinies collide in a unique fantasy world of war and wonders where empire is one with enchanted steel and magical animal companions fight alongside their masters in battle. Um, so it sounds just absolutely fantastic. There is a soldier, a prince, a detective, and a thief. And it says, This band of rogues and royals should all be enemies, but they unite for a common purpose, to defeat an unstoppable killer who defies the laws of magic. In this battle, they will forge unexpected bonds of friendship and love that will change their lives and begin to change the world. So, I'm super excited to read this. I do not normally talk about books that I have not read, as you know, but I did not get a chance to get to this one. Had to save some of the ones I read for the newsletter, so if you're not signed up for the newsletter, you can hear about more books there, so you should definitely do that. There's a link in the show notes. Um, and this is Steel Crow Saga by Paul Kruger, which I am very excited to read. I think Reasons of Cat should be put on every form in oh, existence. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's like all everyone in this house like needs to just wear safety goggles all the time now. Because if they're not, like, poking me in the eye, they're poking each other in the eye. And it's just, it's been one big, long mess. Mess of, a mess of cats. Yes. <laughs> well, my final pick is Who Put This Song On by Morgan Parker. And you might know Parker's name from her poetry collections, including Magical Negro and There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce, which is a book I've been seeing a lot of recently, or collection rather. And this is her YA debut, and it is everything. And it spoke to me on a personal level and to my high school soul. So the story follows 17-year-old Morgan living in the very white California suburbs. And as you might guess from the character's name, the book does take inspiration from the author's life. I will not admit to you how long it took me before I noticed that the name of the character was the same as the author's name. But you can probably guess from my embarrassment that it took quite a while. Uh, so it's loosely based on Morgan Parker's teenage life, including entries from her diary. And I don't know how many of you out there still own your your teenage diaries, but I recently cracked open my middle school diary and was horrified embarrassed for myself I almost burned it but I'm really glad Morgan did something productive with hers because this book was so touching and I think it'll speak to a lot of people uh, kids and adults alike who have experienced anxiety and or depression so that said content warning for suicidal thoughts and discussion of suicide attempts and a lot of what teenage Morgan speaks to is her depression and anxiety and how frustrated she feels about her therapy sessions. And in fact, we first meet her in her therapist's office having an internal struggle. And you really get to know her right away from this opening scene. Morgan's thoughts are really, in general throughout the book, laid bare on the page. And thoughts about how people treat her as a black girl, the way she has to present herself as a black girl surrounded by white people who would really rather not address blackness at all because it makes them uncomfortable. She has to be someone completely different around the kids in her school who mostly come from conservative families. 
and she talks about her struggles with self-image and not meeting the expectations black people and the black community, including her mom, set for her. So the thing about Morgan is she's a subversive kid. She self-identifies as emo. There's a scene where she's trying to explain to her mom like what it means to be emo, and it just sounds like that high school frustrating conversation you sometimes have with your parents when they're like, I don't get it. And she listens to Radiohead and Weezer, and there are actually a lot of musical references here. Surprise, surprise, this is called Who Put the Song On? Uh, but I, I got a thrill out of recognizing so many of the bands that kind of reminded me of my younger years, although this takes place a little after my time. But I used to listen to very similar things as a teen as well. I really related to Morgan on a lot of levels. And while other kids are dealing with the usual frustrations of growing up and school life, Morgan's emotions take her to the really far end. And as she says, she's known for ruining parties and having blow-ups in social situations because of her anxiety. She does not feel like she belongs anywhere with anyone. It's absolutely heartbreaking to read about her going through these things. But... But then the heartbreak and the desire for Morgan to find joy are cut through with this really dry humor and a lot of wit. So I think Morgan will will speak to Daria fans, which I am one. I'm sure there are many more of you out there. And some of my favorite YA characters have a sort of special brand of dark humor, like uh, Mila Flores from Undead Girl Gang by Lily Anderson, for instance. And Morgan has that same flair. She has that sarcasm and that dry humor. And moreover, she feels real. And I know some of that will come from the influence of the author's own life, but she's so well-written and complex and gives nuance to what it feels like to have anxiety and depression. I really appreciated and enjoyed this book. And now I have to go read Morgan Parker's poetry. So again, that was Who Put This Song On by Morgan Parker. All right. All right. That was awesome. That was. That was so fun to talk about. This is the first time I had to be forced to read books that were newly released. Because <laughs> I'm not generally good at that. <laughs> well, you did an amazing job. Also, you never say the word, um, like, when you're speaking, which is oh. just admirable. As someone who's <laughs> terrified every time I turn the mic on, I am in awe. You are my hero. <laughs> if you hear me talk, in reality, the amount of times I say like is out of control. So we all have our things. <laughs> <laughs> so those are our new books. What are you going to read next? Um, I am actually really excited to read Red at the Bone by Jacqueline Woodson. Uh, I just picked it up. I've been seeing it everywhere, and I'm actually going to do a buddy read with somebody. So I was waiting for for this person to get the book, but I was like, everybody is talking about this book. Please don't ruin it for me. So <laughs> I'm picking that one up so fast. It is time. What about you? Well, I will just say that it it is an amazing book, and I was really surprised that the robot butler did it. But that's all I'm going to say about it. Thanks, um, Liberty. <laughs> well, I'm going to read the Steel Crow Saga, 
with with Paul, the Paul Kruger that I mentioned. I'm also making my way through, and I have two giant books going at the same time. I'm also, I've started The Unwilling by Kelly Braffitt, which is something I am so, 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 so excited about. Um, I finally got my hands on a copy. Um, it's her, she's written some pretty dark, sort of not exactly mysteries, but you know, not exactly thrillers, but some very dark novels in the past, um, like Josie and Jack. And Last Scene Leaving, and I just absolutely love her. I think she's an incredible writer. But this is her 600-page fantasy novel, um, and I've just been chomping at the bit for it, and now I have it. So that is what I'm going to read next, um, along with this other 600-page book. Oh, (laughs) You know, and we'll see what happens next. You know, the cats steal my car or, you know, defraud me somehow. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Something else exciting. So that is it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. You can go to bookriot.com slash bestmysteries to enter to win our 10 favorite mysteries of the year. You can check out Slay by Brittany Morris, wherever books are sold. Thank you to Simon & Schuster's Children's Publishing for sponsoring. And you can treat your feet by going to bombas.com slash allthebooks. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash allthebooks to get 20% off your first purchase. Sharifa, where can they find you online? You can find me on Instagram. I'm at Williams. That's S-Z-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And I mostly hang out on Instagram as well. That's Friends and Comes Alive. And if you'd like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes, as well as sign up for the weekly new books newsletter and learn about more titles out today. Go to www.bookriot.com slash all the books. I think that's the first time I've ever said the W is out loud. I don't know why I did <laughs> Go to bookriot.com slash all the books and check it out. So, in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.